What up, Clips and Drew Nation? You are now tuned in to episode 162 of the Follow Through with Clips and Drew, the NBA's premier podcast. The players have voted, and we have an NBA season in 46 days. We're going to give you all the details you need to know about that. Rumor mill. Does Philly actually have a chance of getting James Harden? Drew Holiday is up for grabs. And who the hell designed these new city jerseys? It's the Follow Through with Clips and Drew. Drew, give me that intro music. Excuse me. Didn't mean to interrupt like Mount Vesuvius. I'm about due to erupt. Use it or I'm losing it. They say I need to loosen up. Tight, I'm well taught. I must do the max like us. I do have something to say. So you got to give it up. Give it up. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 163. What is this, 163? 162? Oh, this is 162. 162. While our, our country is in limbo right now waiting for these votes to come in, I don't know what the hell is taking Arizona and Nevada so long, uh, we thought it would be proper to drop a podcast because there's not much going on in the NBA, but there there are a few things going on, and I think we should just talk about it. Take our mind off this election, Drew. So we're going to go through a couple things. How are you doing, by the way? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I got no complaints down here. Uh, you know, other than it's been a little hot. We had a little a random heat wave down here in, in the beginning of November. Uh, but yeah, man, no complaints. Uh, I'm, I'm in first place in my fantasy football league. Of course you are. Um, so, yeah, things are going as planned. Fantasy Drew is a real person. Drew takes his fantasy very, very seriously. Yeah, I'm working on a four-peat this year. If I can, <laughs> that, it's four, It might be four in a row. Dang, that's huge. Domination. Uh, well, we might have a fantasy basketball season starting soon. Uh, the Players Association and the owners are voting. I think today is the vote. And it looks like, although there was a lot of pushback last week with the, with the restart December 22nd, it seems like the players are, are going for the December 22nd start with training camp starting December 1st, which is literally right around the corner and we're weeks away. And that December 22nd start would give us a 72 game season with training camp starting December 1st. And it'll be ending. I think it's in, I don't know the end. I think it's end of July. Yeah. So if, if they do the 72 game season, they'd be ending around June. Uh, which is like their normal ending date uh, in mid, mid-June, early July at the latest. Of course, if they vote to start in that January 18th start, then we're looking at a 58 or 60 game season, which will end in August, I believe. You know, I think I'm not surprised to see the players voting for the longer season, right? You get more money out of that. There already is a lot of talks and, and a part of why the season is still up, you know, in, in consideration for when they're going to start is because they still need to figure out what they're going to do with the cap space uh, for, for this year. I mean, there's a lot of talk right now about the NBA um, only paying out, you know, a percentage of the contracts that they were, you know, for, for, for instance, like if you're owed $30 million, the NBA is saying that we're only going to perhaps give you 20 or even 15 of that $30 million, something like that in order, order to make up for lost revenue for this year. So I think NBA players are realizing this. I think they know that if they can play more games, then there's more TV revenue. And then for themselves, they'll actually be able to get more money in their, just, in their normal paychecks as opposed to shortening the season um, on a year that might already be squeezing them uh, financially with, with these restrictions that the NBA might have to put in place. I think, you know, they had to break it down financially to the players. You know, how much money that the league is losing and how much money they could potentially lose with a later start to this season. And – 
I know the pushback wasn't from a lot of players. I mean, we're considering LeBron James, who is the voice of the, the NBA, had the most pushback on it because obviously they just got done a, a couple weeks ago finishing their season. And, you know, they want their time off. And LeBron has the luxury because he's worth a billion dollars to not want to start the season right away. But there are a lot of players that – haven't played in you know almost a year we're talking about here and they want to get back on the court and play and you know they do the players and owners do a 50 50 rev share so in 2018 it was 9.2 billion in 2019 2020 was 8.3 billion they dropped and they really don't know what it's going to be this year with all that money they lost from china over 200 million dollars they just got to recoup that money and they're finding other avenues, other ways to, to, to make money for the NBA. They were talking about hard alcohol and gambling and some other kind of sponsorships because that adds up to the in-arena sponsorships and the shit that flashes on the scoreboard. All that is money. Everything you see, the placement of Spalding on the backboard, that's all money. So I think they're going to come up with some creative ways to do it, but I'm all for this, man. I mean, it's great for me and you because we have a season starting right around the corner. But I, I understand LeBron's pushback. He also had a quote yesterday saying that he's just going to be cherry picking for the first month, which was pretty funny. And I hope he's joking about that. How do, how do you think about it from a Lakers standpoint with your team just winning the title and now going into a, a quick next season? Well, yeah, I think, I think for the Lakers and the Heat, really, this is the toughest, you know, the, the toughest realization for those teams is how quick this season is going to start. I mean, if that, from, from everything that we've read, as you, as you mentioned, like the NBA is going to be getting $500 million in revenue if they start additional revenue, if they started earlier, as opposed to starting on January. So, I mean, that's a huge difference in a year where, you know, money's going to be a little tight um, for the Lakers. I get, I, I totally understand why LeBron would, would say that he's just going to relax. And I, I think that's the best, way for us to go about this. I mean, especially if it's a 72 game season, that's still a lot of games to be played. You know, it's, 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 you know, 80, 80 games is a, you know, the normal 82 is the normal. We're only losing 10 games there. So um, I wouldn't, I would have been surprised if, you know, regardless of when the start date, I wouldn't be surprised if LeBron eases into the season, if it starts in December or starts in January. I mean, look, he's, he's going to be entering, like his 17th, 18th season. I can't remember how many seasons 17. it is now. Yeah, 17th season. He needs to, he needs to chill. He needs to relax. Uh, but the good wow. news is that, you know, we should still have a healthy Anthony Davis there. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen with this roster in the next couple months. But um, I think it'll be a great opportunity for AD to just get out there and, and kind of carry the team. Um, and obviously LeBron's not going to just not play. Right. He'll just, he'll just do exactly what he's been doing over the last couple seasons in the early year. In, or, yeah. In the early parts of the season where he just, you know, load management. We, we knew going into this last season, we were expecting a lot of uh, players to be on load management. I, look, they only play Giannis 29 minutes a game uh, for the whole season. So I, I expect this not to just be for LeBron, even though they were the team that made the deepest run alongside Miami. I expect this for stars all, all over the place on, on every team, um, especially if they're doing kind of these quick back-to-backs that they're considering to do if, if they're traveling into a city and playing, you know, a team on, on back-to-backs randomly. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, all of the all-stars have times where they're not playing. But look, I, for the NBA, the December 22nd start seems to be a no-brainer. Uh, it, it gets more money in the pockets of everybody. 
um, you know, including the owners, including the players. I, I do think it, it's just kind of going to be a case by case basis for stars that feel like they need a breather. And I think they're going to have the, the, the luxury and, and the timing and the space to allow those players to do that. But one thing I wanted to, to mention was uh, the NBA should definitely form a, part, a partnership with Hennessy. I mean, it's been the unofficial partner of the NBA for at least two decades now. So I think this is the perfect opportunity. NBA brought to you by Hennessy. Boom, we're, we're I, in. I'm pretty sure they're exploring that. I don't see why not. They're very proactive in that. That's a great idea, though. But one thing we can't forget, Drew, is there is a pandemic as well. This could be catastrophic for the NBA, too. Like, there has to be some systems in place like the bubble to keep these guys safe from getting this disease. Because if, if this happens again in the NBA, I mean, it's going to shut everything down. So we have to be, and the shit's not going away when this election's over. It's still happening. We had the biggest case in the world yesterday with over a hundred thousand people coming down with COVID. Uh, it's still a major player in this game. And I just, I, I hope they're going to come up with some strategies to make this as safe as possible. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. And we're going to see, definitely, we're going to see players and teams that are going to be affected by this. I mean, especially having only a 15-man roster. Maybe what they do is they open up some more extra roster spots for, for emergency situations like this where, or, or allow for more call-ups from your G League affiliate or something like that to allow for uh, you know, some players that are definitely going to come down with this disease while the, the season is happening. Uh, from everything that I've read about, regardless of the you know, 60 game or 72 game schedule, they're talking about players visiting. If you're if you're the away team and you're going like the Lakers go play Denver, they're banging out those games in one trip. So they're not going to have to make multiple trips over the course of the year to cities, and, and it should reduce the travel. Uh, which is one thing that a lot of the NBA players in the bubble mentioned that the recovery time without having to travel as much was way easier for them. Uh, so that should be beneficial for recovery and also hopefully for COVID so that you're only traveling, you know, uh, half the amount of, that you would normally travel, at least given, given a normal season. So, but you're right, dude. I, don't, I mean, the, the, the whole, the whole idea about having fans in there obviously opens the door to perhaps, you know, introduce more people that could be affected in the crowd and then heaven forbid, you know, that somehow gets to the players or, or whatever, that part of it is, is always going to be the toughest, right? As much as the, like each NBA owner is going to want, you know, 10, 20, 15, 25% of the audience to be in there, the crowd to be in there. But until you can safely do that, because all the arenas are indoors, it's not like football where they're outside. There, I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be touch and go. Like every week we're just going to have to get updates. Uh, but we do know that the testing that the, that the players received in the bubble seem to be working really well as far as identifying when somebody had one, uh, you know, a case and, and identifying when, when people were negative. So I assume all of those protocols are still going to come into play here, but it also, it, it may be very expensive to do that, right? Even though there was, there's a reduction in, in travel, having to test everybody as much as they do, the entire league, that's going to cost some money. Again, another reason to start the season earlier and try and recoup some of that money that you're going to have to spend on stuff like that. I mean, the bubble cost the NBA $200 million. So I, I, I like the idea. I, would, I see it like this, and I, th I think we've talked about it on the show. If they're starting December 22nd, so December 22nd to January 8th, you have the Clippers, Lakers, Dallas, Denver, and you know Minnesota and the Cavs 
in Los Angeles, right? Or whatever. You have those six teams and they play their 10 games, right? So, you know, Cleveland gets their three games, four games against the teams that are there. Clippers get their four or five teams. You keep all these people in one place. And then you do the same thing in three other, in three other places. You know what I mean? Just so the, the travel, you can cut the travel down. And I know they said the travel will be cut by 25%, and that makes sense. But it'd just be nice to, to knock it out like that. And I wonder if that's been discussed at all. Instead of having Clippers play, you know, Denver <clears throat> in Denver and then come home and play New York in L.A. And then, you know, I just, I just think if you, if, you, if you bubble it, I guess, it'd be another form of the bubble. And I think it would just cut down on the probability of, of players catching COVID. Yeah, the mini bubble idea. I think that was brought up by, by Woj or something like that um, a- after the, the bubble in Orlando was doing so good. I know that they've definitely thought about that. I'm not sure what that might do for, like, when the games are on and when, like, you know, the NBA is really concerned with their ratings, as is pretty much every other sport other than maybe the NFL, as far as the TV ratings are concerned. So I, I would, I'd be curious how they might be able to schedule something like that and still have games being in the prime time and not losing, like, cause if they have a game on, for instance, on a Wednesday and it's a one, it's a 1 PM West coast game, like that's not going to get a lot of ratings. You know what I mean? So I think, I think they have to look at this um, in, in every way possible. I would imagine that they have several different, you know, plans that they're going through and trying to figure out which one is the best. But I do think ultimately they have to be thinking of the bottom line in their back pocket. And if that means then, you know, doing, doing the sets like we just talked about, kind of like a baseball schedule where you go and you, you play, you, you travel to your, the one arena and you, you play that, that series and then you're done with that team for the rest of the season. Or if they do a mini bubble or some combination of that, I, whatever is going to yield the most dollars, I think is what they're going to go with. I don't think you're going to. I don't think we're going to see 1 p.m. games on Wednesday, like 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 uh, during the bubble. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. No, I'm saying, but like if there's a mini bubble, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to get them done quickly without without having to quarantine guys for a month, for instance, or like two months, for instance, in one place, that's what you're going to have to do. Because like for instance, if there's a bubble in New York, they have to if they're using one court, they have to kind of stagger the games the way that they were in Orlando. So you would have a 4 p.m. tip on an East Coast time that would start 1 p.m in west coast and so i just that was just something that i i know that they've definitely considered but it's just i yeah i think whatever whatever is going to get them the most dollars is what they're going to go with for this season and i think we'll know more today or tomorrow i mean they're going to probably come up with a a semi plan to let us know what they're going to do so we should know more i'm just happy we're going to have a season dude i mean as long as everybody can stay safe december 22nd right around the corner uh also right around the corner is the draft, the soft-ass draft that we've been talking about. And I, I, I wrote this down in my notes because it just it baffles me, right? So LaMelo has a meeting with Minnesota, which is exactly what Minnesota should do. They're, I mean, what else are you going to do right now in, re, in, in scouting, right? You have to interview the top prospects. So LaMelo meets with Minnesota, and now Bleacher Report comes out with their mock draft, and they have LaMelo going number one. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? That is, like, who comes up with that? I would be absolutely shocked if LaMelo Ball went number one, right? I mean, I don't know. I, I think I, I wouldn't choose him number one, but would I be shocked? No. I mean, this, we just said it, like, and especially after talking with Matt Babcock about this, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes number one. There's clearly, in most guys' eyes, there's clearly about five or six guys that could possibly go that number one spot. 
I think Minnesota, like you said, is, is doing all their due diligence that they possibly can. Because if they are going to take whoever, you know, if they're going to take the pick at one, they'd be damn sure that this guy is going to at least fit the system that they're looking to play with. And if that means LaMelo to Minnesota, which uh, does not make sense from a basketball standpoint, uh, having LaMelo Ball and D'Angelo Russell as your backcourt is just like a sit. You might as well just keep them on the offensive side of the floor. Just don't play three-man defense. But no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked because he is, he's a guy that's in that top five, top six. And I think any team could, could grab him if they, if they, whatever, you know, whatever persuades them to think that he might be the best player in the draft. I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think they should do it though. Me, me either. And I wouldn't be shocked if he goes 10th either. Right. Like if he drops to 10, that wouldn't be surprising to me either. Babcock switched his draft up though. Even after, after our, our interview last week, he switched some stuff up. And I wonder, I wonder, I didn't get to talk to him about it, but I wonder what made him switch up some of his picks, but he switched his up. So he's got Mello going fourth to the bulls. And I think that's, that's what we had too. Correct. Yeah. Um, and then he's got the big O moving up to number three, Onyeka. Okonwu, his boy, big O. So maybe maybe he's having good workouts. Maybe his interviews are doing really well. I don't know. I'm I'm more shocked at Bleacher Report and them being a really great outlet. And I think we talk about this every single season, whether it's player rankings or mock drafts, on just how these amazing outlets that we go to every single day just kind of come up with some bullshit. Like, how do you, if you have all these NBA analysts, how do you have Mello going number one? Like, it makes absolutely no sense to me. I can only imagine how difficult, especially for this year, how difficult the job of trying to figure out where these guys are going to go. We, we, we look at this pretty in depth, but there's guys that do this for a living like Matt. And like you said, got the, the people at Bleacher Report, ESPN, this is a goddamn crapshoot. I, I feel bad for them, right? Like in other years, they're probably like, all right, yeah, I have a real confident understanding of what I think this draft is going to look like. I think this one's going to be a free-for-all. Every time we bring up the draft, I've said that I expect a lot of draft night trades uh, whether that's, you know, guys, you know, like Minnesota or Golden State moving down uh, or Charlotte or New York Knicks moving up. Like, I expect there to be a lot of unexpected plays uh, that we can't – there's no way to predict until it happens, right? Because we, we're not on the, on the phones with these GMs as they're talking to each other. Um, and, you know, who knows what, what motives they have. But, look, I think for uh, Okongwu, I think the reason that he's moving up is because pretty much everybody knows that – Charlotte could use an extra big man and mm-hmm. someone that brings something special to that position that they lack right now. Uh, so I think, you know, if it's James Wiseman uh, is, is not available and Charlotte can't figure out a way to trade up to make sure they get him or, you know, whatever, he doesn't fall. I, of course, I think they should be looking at a combo. I think he's the second best big man without, without a doubt. I mean, I think in, in some cases, when you look at the way that he plays, there's a real strong, there's a real strong sense that he could have a better career than James Wiseman does. Now, look, I, that's just my take on it. I obviously, like I, like I said, it's just kind of a tornado of information every day, every week. It's just like, Oh, this guy's up, this guy's down. I, I don't think anyone has a real handle on how this draft's going to go. Yeah. If Wiseman's available at three, you take Wiseman at three. That's what you do. I don't think he'll be available at three. I think, I, I do think uh, Golden State's going to try to make a move, a trade. I think they're going to do that even though I think Wiseman would be great for them, for the future of them. I really do. There's a lot of trade rumors or just talk chatter right now. And the chatter is now that Maury uh, is in Philly that they want uh, James Harden and they're going to make a play for James Harden. And which Harden and Embiid would be very, very interesting. Right. But I don't think it makes any sense for Houston because obviously it's either it's Ben Simmons or Embiid that you're trading for James Harden. 
um, and then maybe some other pieces. But I don't uh, – can you imagine a backcourt of Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons? Can you imagine the shooting percentages of that, of that team? Like, it makes no sense. I think Harden and Philly makes sense. That, that could really work. But uh, I just don't I – don't, I don't see it. What do you think? Yeah, I think for Houston to do it, I, I think they would have to figure out a way to trade Westbrook. Like, so, for instance, if, if Houston wants Simmons, then they would also have to look at moving Westbrook. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only way that that – I mean, because you're absolutely right, bro. Having, they're the same player. <laughs> I mean, I, I suppose with Simmons, at least you know he's not going to jack up threes constantly, so he's going to be a little bit more efficient. <laughs> but with Russ, uh, anyway, so I, I, if, if Houston wants Simmons – um, my guess is that they try to push Russ to Philly, right? They try to do that as opposed – and keep James, right? Because I think the best pairing is James and, and Ben Simmons. Now, look, of course, if, if it's, you know, if James Harden and Embiid, that's, a, that's fantastic too. I mean, how, how could you deny that? It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for Houston to have, like, like you just mentioned, Simmons and Westbrook on the same team. So I, I think it's a cool idea. I, I don't see it happening. I mean, because, like, look, if you're Houston – you have to think that Embiid or Simmons, one of those two guys is a top five NBA player because that's what you're giving up. You're giving up a top five NBA player and you have to think that, you know, at one point, one of those guys is going to reach that same level. And I can't sit here confidently and tell you that. I mean, shit, Simmons has hit, what, three threes in his whole career and it's not looking good. I still think you can build a franchise around him, though. I, Definitely. I, I think you but, can. like, why wouldn't you keep James Harden and try and, and, and build around him again? Like, that's the thing. I mean, that's – from a Houston standpoint, that – it would have to be, like, I don't know, fucking, like, Giannis, maybe. Or, you know, in order to get – for me, if I'm, if I'm the GM of Houston, it has to be somebody like Giannis – or Anthony Davis, or, you know, just one of those unbelievable players uh, that, that there's only two or three of in the league in order for me to trade James Harden. There was an interesting, and I hit you up late night the other night. I think it was our boy Scoop B came up with a scenario and he asked, he's all, would you trade, you being a Clipper fan, would you trade Paul George for Drew Holiday and Jackson Hayes? Or would you trade Paul George for Drew Holiday and the Pelicans, the 11th pick? So I thought that was really interesting. Mind you, I, I, you know how bad I want Drew Holiday. And there's a lot of talk right now that teams it's are – It's the 13th pick. It's the 13th 13th, pick. okay. Um, so it, it would be Drew Holiday and the 13th pick is what you're saying? Yeah. Anyways, I was thinking about it, and I don't – as much as I want Drew Holiday, and you know how bad I want him, and uh, Pelicans have said he's, he's, he's on the trading block right now, and I think it's Denver's looking at him, uh, the Nets are looking at him, and somebody else. But I wouldn't give Paul – I like the interesting Jackson Hayes in Drew Holiday, though, because we need a big – he is young, he's, uh, you know, athletic, runs the floor. He'd be a nice piece to have, uh, whether starting or coming off the bench for Zubak and Trez, depending on what happens with Trez, just another big man. Cause that's what we were lacking, but it was interesting. It was thought provoking for me. What do, what would you think about that? You know, I think, I think for the Clippers, the, I, I don't, I don't like giving up Paul George for Drew holiday mm-hmm. to me. They're, they're, they're very similar players. And I think Paul George has a much higher offensive upside while still being a solid defender. I think the only thing, I mean, for, of course the Clippers should want Drew holiday, but they should want him as the third member of your big three, for instance, it should be Kawhi, Paul George, Andrew, which is obviously going to be very difficult to, to kind of figure out what kind of assets you can put together to trade and make that happen. So I look, I, it, I can understand 
why Clipper fans would go, yes, let's go with Drew. We'll get rid of Paul. Obviously, he burnt you in the playoffs, and it was a terrible performance and a collapse. But not all of it can be blamed on Paul Drew. Right. We've, we've been through this before. But – I uh, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. I, I just I I would rather keep Paul George. I think they're about the same age, um, and obviously I think Paul's going to be owed more money than Drew. Uh, but look, I think what you're getting is a smaller version <laughs> of what you have if you if you trade Paul George. And now look, Jackson Hayes and the and the draft pick; those two things could be enticing, right? Because then of course you can add an additional something that you don't have. And I think obviously. The, the problem that you guys had as far as center depth is Zubak was too slow to guard some of the guys and Trez was too small to guard some of the guys. So Jackson Hayes kind of fits that mold that you might want to bring in with a young athletic uh, center. So sure. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I would consider Jackson Hayes and Drew Holiday for Paul George, but I also think I would want the pick, the, third, the pick as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> give me, the, give me right. the pick as well. That's, I think that's the way that I'd go. Because we have none. I, I thought it was just interesting because I, I thought about it, but I, I don't want to get rid of Paul George. And I know we need a playmaking point guard as well. But again, I, I'm, I'm fine with running this back one more time. And, you know, even with Reggie Jackson, like we, Reggie Jackson can play. I don't know if we're going to be able to, to keep him or not, but I would like, I think those are two guards that can give us what, what we need. But I just don't want to be fall in love with the fact that we need Drew Holiday to win a championship because I just want to run it back. So I thought I'd ask you and see what you thought about it. I know the Clippers are going to try to make some moves because I haven't heard any chatter about Montrez. And again, <clears throat> we don't have three months to prepare for the season. The season's right around the corner. So if we're going to make moves and if training camp starts December 1st, we got to have our core guys and our team there. We don't want to go into – December 19th, bringing somebody else in and, you know, cause obviously we had chemistry issues. Uh, so I, I want to make some moves here quick, but obviously we got to get the draft done first, which is going to be, uh, what is that? The 18th, Yeah, November 18th, November 18th. If, if the Clippers do want to explore, and I think they should explore the value that they can get back in return for Drew Hall or for, uh, for Paul George, I do think the Bradley Beal thing, uh, I, I would, I would be calling Washington. If I'm the Clippers, hey, Paul George, Brad Beal, straight up, or you know what, you know, throw in, you know, something here. They and got there. the ninth pick, Drew. They have the ninth pick. Honestly, in that deal, I think you guys would have to give up something else because Bradley Beal just came off a 30-point performance, and they clearly think that he's kind of going to be the building blocks around something new there. Uh, but I would, I would make that phone call as you know, right now. If I'm Paul, if Paul I'm, George and Landry Shamit for Bradley Beal. Done deal. I love yeah. that. I, I absolutely love that. I think, see, I think that would be something that would be exciting because uh, you can play Brad uh, as the two, which is normal, but you can also have him on ball. It, it, you know, handles, it solves the problem. You can still start Patrick Beverly in that lineup there as well yeah. and have, and have uh, Beal and Kawhi on, in, on the floor. I think, you know, that one to me is the most intriguing. Uh, okay. Landry. Who knows? I mean, the Wizards <clears throat> clearly don't want to part with Beal. Yeah, but you gotta, you, you know, you gotta, know when to call it a wrap dude if it's not working there and again like John Wall is going to be coming back he says he's been working out uh, up at the Mamba Academy he looks really good says his knees feel great and they deserve a chance to play a full season together as well but like you're saying that's that's kind of sexy to me that's sounding a little sexy if that ninth pick was thrown in though so if we're doing if you're See, doing the way to do that then is Paul George and Lou Will for Brad Beal and the ninth pick and keeping Sham? Yeah, keep Sham. I'd be fine with that. Okay. Yeah. 
We might have to ask Clipper Nation this. This might have to be a post and see what they think. Again, I still want to keep Paul George, but right. I'm still just – the need of a, of a point guard, of a playmaking point guard, is, is in the back of my mind, and I know it's a necessity that we need. And there might be some cheap other options out there that we can finagle without having to give up anything, but Brad Beal would be extremely interesting. We're going to make a post about that and see what people think. Uh, I was really intrigued this week, and I thought it was a joke, Drew. I, th- I thought the first three city jerseys that I saw that got leaked, I thought they were a joke. I thought this was made uh, you, you know, by some person in the Philippines just with an idea, and they put it on. You know, It's like the cheap knockoff shit that you buy at you know, the, the swap meet. But did you see some of these jerseys, dude? I saw the, the first one that was dropped was the Portland one, right? And I'm like, when did when did like royal blue become one of their one of their colors? And 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 then Dallas is drops, and it's this white with gold trim. And I'm like, do you know how pale Luca will look in that jersey? Like they were horrible. The only ones that I liked, I mean, Golden State did an Oakland one, which I thought I love the colors. And then once Steph Curry put it on, I'm like, that that looks good. And then I liked the throwback uh, uh, Spurs one where they used the teal and the orange and the pink. I liked that. But even those were so minimalistic and plain to me. And they just keep getting worse and worse. Do the throwback jerseys. Go back to the old school. You know, Dallas's green jerseys are fly, right? The Rip City jerseys for for Portland are fly. If you go to uh, even the old school Spurs with – they're actually pretty plain. They've always been a plain brand, but even like the Clippers, right? Is just give us the curse of Clipper jerseys. Since when did we have, and I've talked about this a lot. When was black a color for the Clippers? I don't (laughs) understand this. And you know, the Laker one, I understood because it was their, the Minneapolis colors, but it was an all white Jersey with the blue trim and our boy, Marley McFly, who's an artist and really dope is like, okay, switch those. You remember the Minneapolis Laker jerseys and they sold out. Every one of those. I'm just, I think they're trying to get way too, I don't even want to say creative because they're not creative to me. Yeah, that is the interesting part. I think some of them definitely lack the, the creative stuff. Ingenuity. That we've seen. Yeah, we've seen a lot of more creative kind of artistic jerseys in the past um, than, than we have this year. But fuck, man, I don't know. I, yeah, maybe, maybe this is the NBA just trying to make a play. You know, they're trying their best to get as many people buying jerseys as they possibly can. Uh, but I do, I'm not a designer I, and I don't root for any of these other teams. So I'm, I'm chilling. <laughs> I just think taking it, nostalgia is a big part of the NBA, right? People like what they grew up with. And, you know, I think it'd be just so much easier. I told you how much I hated the Clippers uh, city jerseys. I hated them. I got the concept. I know Mr. Cartoon is a, is a, is an icon in Los Angeles, but like old English has never been a part of the Clippers uh organization clippers history nothing like that i hated them i think going back to just throwback jerseys man let's take it back to the 80s that's what everybody wants everybody's wearing the short shorts now anyways <laughs> and it'd just be so easy because you already have the template to make those jerseys and what to and you, you can throw a little a little pizzazz into one of the jerseys throw a new a new design or a new patch or something like that but as far as dallas goes like white and gold what the hell are you guys thinking and you have two of the whitest players in the nba on your team they'll look horrible so uh, luca uh played for real madrid and mm-hmm. that's their colors that's real madrid colors is white and gold interesting so i, I think that that might have had something to do with why they chose those colors as far as for the rest of the teams i don't know it's like they 
it's like they you know, spun a wheel and wherever it landed, they just picked a color. But for that team, I do think they're they're calling back. They're going to try and sell a shit ton of jerseys, Luca jerseys in Spain and Europe. That makes sense. Okay, that makes way more sense to me now. I wish you would have told me that when I posted the picture because that makes – I still think it looks ugly, okay? Sorry. <laughs> it still looks bad to me. Uh, update on Delonte West. Cuban went to go visit him at rehab. Looks like he is doing so well. I mean, seeing Delonte on, on horseback and shooting hoops and go-karting, he looks healthy. You can tell his just face, and he looks like he's got a whole new outlook on life, and I'm just so happy for him. And I'm so happy that – I mean, there was, there was footage leaked this morning of him. He was shooting at LA Fitness. He went to LA Fitness and just shot around. A, a guy took a selfie with him there. He was just shooting around like, a normal, like me and you do. And being that the mental health is such a big issue in the NBA and in sports, he can be the poster boy for this if he comes out of this on top. And I think he sees the potential in that. We might see a rejuvenated career from Delonte. Yeah, that's that's the feel good story of the offseason so far, for sure. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's awesome to see him kind of enjoying life again uh, in a way that he hadn't been able to in a little while. So, yeah, I'm you know, it's awesome. We, I, America loves a comeback. I love a comeback story. Uh, it would be it would be great. I mean, shit, dude, even if he does nothing other than just kind of exists and, and just goes about his business day to day, having him, you know, have the right support and, and you know get back to a good space. That's that's all we want. Right. So that's, that's fantastic stuff. And I can't, it's hard to say enough about Mark Cuban, uh, right. you know, going out of his way to do this. So I, yeah, hats off for sure. I, it's a great guy. Great story. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for Delonte. I think like everybody else. So hopefully this, this sticks and yeah, he, he, he can move on and, and uh, continue living. Uh, you got anything else, my friend? Yeah, I got two things. Oh, um, yeah. all right. I think, I think there's two players that I when we're talking about potential moves and trades that I think really should be considered and they're Blake Griffin and they're Kevin Love. I think Blake Griffin right now, uh, you know, obviously still has some health problems, but we saw how good his game has become as far as he doesn't have to be the guy I'm going to run and dunk on you uh, anymore. He really has a skill set. He's added a lot to his game. And I think Detroit is just a shit place for him to be right now. Um, and the shit same thing franchise, goes, bro. It's a right. shit franchise. And I think the same thing goes for, for Kevin Love. I mean, we know how good he is. Um, obviously, he's, he's not a guy that's going to be a superstar and, and carry your team to the playoffs. But Cleveland is a shit storm, and I think he would love to, to get out of there. Uh, so I think Houston is a potential landing spot for either of those guys. And if you're Houston and you're shopping Russell Westbrook, I don't know why you would stop yourself from trading Russell Westbrook to Detroit and picking up Blake Griffin because he can play your small ball five. He can, he can hit a corner three now. He's Wait, Blake, obvi- Blake in Houston? I think that kind of solves some problems for them. He can play your center position. You're not losing height. He can guard most of the bigs really well. He's still really strong. Obviously, injuries are a problem for, for Blake, of course. Uh, but Russell's been getting injured a lot in the last couple of seasons. So, why, you know, I, I think that one – imagine a pick-and-roll situation with James Harden and Blake Griffin. Uh, that's just fantastic. you got pick-and-pop. you got lob opportunities. Uh, and the same thing goes for Kevin Love, too. I think Love obviously fits the mold of the Daryl, you know, your ultimate small ball shooting threes all the time. But who knows if Houston's going to be going that route. they got the new coach, uh, Paul Silas's kid in there. So who knows what kind of system they're running. I'm just thinking 
you know, clearly Westbrook is not necessarily solving any problems for Houston. Um, I think he creates more problems than he solves. So I think those two guys are, are really two guys that are expensive, but that can come in and help franchises like Houston add something specific, add some, add some flavor uh, that they, that they've been missing. And I think, you know, more, more than just Houston, there's teams around the league that can be like, all right, this guy could really help our franchise could change, you know, what we're doing. I also think, you know, Atlanta's a landing spot for either of those guys as well. If they're looking for veteran leadership, uh, they have Capella who's, who's getting paid a lot of money that they could trade away if they don't see him being a fit um, or, or that, or that guy Collins, you could get rid of him and bring one of those guys in. I just think those two guys, while they are expensive, they have a lot of value that they can bring. And I think a, a team, you know, I mean, San Antonio, they need a star. Like there's a bunch of teams, Portland, I think could use one of those guys for sure. Like there's a team, there's teams out there, the Kings, Indiana, they have, they have problems with their bigs. Like there's a lot of teams that could use those guys and have the assets to make that happen. I think both I like I like that call and Blake and both of them deserve to be on a playoff team right they they're too valuable not to be on one and like you said they they could bring value Blake isn't the same player he used to be he says his knees are are fine right now but he is injury prone um love could be the difference maker in a championship team obviously they are very expensive I think both of them have uh, just two years left, right? But two years at like 35 a pop, you know, which is a lot. But then you you get those off the books in two years, which can mean a lot for you. Uh, I like that. I, I, I don't like love in Atlanta. I like the Blake in Houston. I think that's that's nice. But that's a high, high uh, payroll for, for Houston, right? Well, yeah, the only way it works is if you trade – Westbrook, Westbrook right. yeah, it's the only way the money works. Um, and then so that's 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 what I'm saying. Like if they're if they're looking to get Westbrook off their books, and and there's not a lot of franchises out there that would be like, all right, I'll take Westbrook's contract. Mm-hmm. But if you're Detroit and you need fucking asses and seat. well, I guess you can't have asses and seats anymore. But you know, if you want to sell some jerseys, like that's a type of dynamic player they haven't had there since fucking Isaiah Thomas. So I think the same thing for for Cleveland if they if. Let's just say they give love and I don't know, like Garland to Houston uh, for Westbrook. That immediately gives them a little bit more shape. They can play, you know, uh, Westbrook obviously will feature on the ball, but then they don't have this log jam of, of centers and power forwards that they don't know how to play together. So yeah, but anyway. then then Westbrook's career dies in Cleveland, you know, with that, that that's what happens. And unfortunately, you're right. It is a business, but I, I think with the Detroit, they, they need a complete overhaul because they're probably going to lose D-Rose. I mean, the only people putting asses in seats was D-Rose and Blake Griffin, right? And D-Rose coming off his best season since his, since his MVP season. Um, and they're losing money left. I mean, this is going to devastate uh, Michigan in general because, the, I mean, they've been losing season ticket holders for a while now. And if you don't have some superstar, I think I – think, Westbrook in, in, in Detroit would be cool. I think they'd embrace him a lot. Um, and I think he could, he could thrive there, but I think you're totally right. I'm with that. I think both those players deserve an opportunity to be on. I would take Blake back. I take Blake, Blake back in a heartbeat, but not with that contract. And everybody's expensive now. It's like, you know, that's like the narrative for everything. Like you're if you want a good player on your team, you're going to be paying 18 to $30 million. Okay. That's just what it, that's what it's going to be. So, I, I'm I'm with that, Drew. Good call yeah. on that. Yeah, those are two guys that not too many people are talking about. But I just think I think those are 
two guys in franchises that are willing to make moves. It's, it's pretty clear. Like they don't, Cleveland and Detroit don't have a lot to hang their hat on. So why would they be tied to 30 year old power forwards that are probably towards the back end of their careers? I like that call, dude. Uh, all right, uh, you guys should check us out on basketballnews.com. I've seen a lot of our followers are heading on over there. We got some really good uh, content for you. You should, you should check it out every single day. The written pieces are really well. Uh, Kenyon Martin's podcast is starting next week, which is going to be awesome. And he's shooting for the stars with his guests. Like, it's going to be really cool. We all know Kenyon doesn't hold back from what he's got to say. So it's going to be a really interesting podcast. Check out Dishes and Dimes. It's the female podcast out of Toronto. These girls know their podcast. Alex Kennedy, Eton who's just been killing it on social media lately, especially during this election. If you're not following Eton Thomas, follow him. But check us out at Clips and Drew. Uh, he is Drew the Right Thing. I am Clips555. We're going to take him out with my guy who I think he's been the most – he's been on the most for our music, taking him out. And my boy Kevin Gates has a new jam. It's called Weeks, right? This is going to stay in your head for a couple days. So turn it up, bang it. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, and we're go. I ain't took my chains off in weeks. If I tuck it, they gon' try to kill me anyway Till I'm praying to the God of the streets Way too big to be discreet anyway Hope I fly on the arms of my niggas Wonder why my heart cold, niggas So got the ship, baby I ain't took my chains off in weeks Love that shit too big to be discreet He tried to set me up in Dallas Broke into his own car He not knowing that I'm psychic And I glow in the dark Lied on us while in Houston We got thrown in the cross Sidestepped him for Set me punch a hole in my heart Whole quarantine game I looked over your flaws Big God selling raw and I'm controlling the car Diamonds on my neck, that's a symbol of success Run you up a check, you gon' die for your respect Cautious who you entertain, they could be a threat Out of pocket, pull a bird on you, leave you somewhere stretched Artificial dealings, all my visions, then God clear I trust you in a miracle, feel it in my spirit I ain't took my chains off in weeks if I tuck it, they gon' try to kill me anyway Till I'm praying to the God of the streets Way too big to be discreet anyway Hope I fly on the arms of my niggas Wonder why my heart cold, niggas So got the ship, baby, I ain't took my chains off in weeks Love that shit too big to be discreet G-Wag, G-Wag, Big Bag, Big Bag C-Note, C-Note So much machine smoke Only ones that ride on me are the ones willing to die Just got this brand new thing and wrapped it in exchange when the shots fire. Reporting live with the Glock 9 by the south side. Recording live, bitch, I'm in the studio right now. In Carolina, you could pull up on me right now. Me outside, yeah. Hold up, pull up. I'm missing hard, my earrings, dog. This for my seat. Broly, I never take my chain off. Every time, I get that order, they take your brain off. Cardi made it glitch, then I wiped it on my wrist. I said brassy, it, but it's posture, not like this, bitch I ain't took my chains off in weeks If I tuck it, they gon' try to kill me anyway Till I'm praying to the God of the streets Way too big to be discreet anyway Hope I fly on